another warning sign just came up there. I was like, great, it's probably not going to record at all. Trust that, Mel. How are you, Dave? I'm doing well, Mel. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. Today on the Her Advantage podcast, I have with me Dave Nixon. Now, I'm going to read off some of Dave's uh, accomplishments, accolades, things that he's got under his belt. These are in absolutely no particular order. Dave is host of the Peak and Flow podcast with a mere 775 episodes, author of Minding Yourself, founder of Funk in the ACT, husband to the beautiful Gina, dog dad to Petey and Chels, massive holder of the space, human growth advocate and caller of one's bullshit. (laughs) Anything to add to that list, Dave? I think the person that I call bullshit on is literally just myself mostly. <laughs> so if, if one in that regard is the first person, then yeah, that's that's probably pretty accurate. I wrote so, it the way that I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So very good. No, I mean that's fine. Peak and flow is a is you just mentioned that I'll touch on that now. Peak and flow is a um training education company that I have and as I mentioned just before the podcast um my podcast restarts next week um which I'm looking forward to we've had a little bit of a almost been a year actually um of a uh uh just a rebuild say that again sabbatical that's a good way to put it but yeah rebuild was like we had a bit of a transition from mood prep which spent 700 episodes or something like that to um to alpha theta flow and then with what peak and flow was building into just a rebuild so peak and flow is a training education company um that we're relaunching literally today and over the weekend so i'm happy to touch on that as we go but um we'll see um where you want to go so well that was one of my notes i know that you don't name things lightly what is peak and flow what does peak and flow mean so peak and flow is pointing to um you know, one's ability and capacity to access what's required with them, um, what's contextually appropriate. And so giving people opportunities and we run retreats and training. So I do team leadership training as well as individual coaching and sports performance coaching. So giving people, um, it's not the tools, it's not the right way to, to communicate, although it's probably socially acceptable to explain it that way, but to help people have the maps to understand themselves so that they can show up how they want to show up and you know maybe use the word authentically um as opposed to habitually and so the the key thing there is looking at the fact there's no gaps between mind body um soul community like how are all these things inter- interconnected uh and and how can i take on multiple perspectives to to really lean into my potential with what's required in any given moment um, and in saying that, there's there's times where you'll need all of your very being, the peak potential, peak performance, all that sort of stuff. And there's also, you know, for lack of a better word, the ebbs and flows of life. And how do we just be in those moments um, without needing or trying to be? Um, what is that for us? And what's getting in the way of that? And and um, and yeah, so the work's very individualized. Um, and the just like I guess in the gym, the client does the work. Yeah, you're not new to the fitness industry. Like this is you've been in the fitness industry for a long time. How did I think you? I'm the youngest to- dinosaur. 
How did you come, like what for you was one of the big moments to go, holy shit, all of this works together. It isn't just fitness. It isn't just mindset. How does this all come together? That's a really good question. Um, I, so I started working in the fitness industry in 04 when I was 15. Uh, I do apologize for any mechanic noises in the background um, as I'm next to a mechanic, if you can hear it. Um, uh, and also any barking because there might be a, bark at the door very shortly but i'll have to we let want the guest appearance yeah that's right we'll see um he's quite abrupt but uh so back in 04 and i started uh functional fitness australia bunk in 2011 um and it was probably over the next few years and it was kind of like hang on a sec here's the same information for these people here's the same program or similar programs adapted to physiology or whatever the case might be but we're just getting completely different results. Why do some people continue to go down the path of what health is for them? And that's a really important point, what health is for them. And why are some people leaning into, you know, um, government standards of what health is designed to be by based on objective measures? Um, and how much of a role is is the way that we we think and construct our reality um, uh, play a role in our overall health in, in general? And so... The, I probably didn't word it that way to myself to begin with. It was probably more of like, there's got to be something more here. Um, but that was the kind of early on um, eight years ago, nine, 10 years ago, general gist of like, I felt I was, I and we as we as the industry were really just dealing with what we were looking at um rather than um who we were working with and um ken wilbur who's been a massive influence on all of the work that i do um uh, he one of his books had a sentence which said people are not just objects to observe they're also subjects to interpret um and that played a massive role in me going okay well well how do we meet the whole person yeah cool we talked about Dave's podcast really quickly there um, when he mentioned that the first 700 episodes were called Mood Prep and basically Dave took sentences like he just gave and really interpreted them for yourself and gave the rest of us a broader, uh, broader perspective on the word. How did that help you in that development as well as in the development of understanding human beings better? It's, um, it's once again, another good question because the approach was uh, with the podcast, 10 minutes a day, five days a week for a number of years. And then it kind of dried out a little bit, but it was um, because the way that it served me early on was really almost like a journal. It was a, my ability to understand myself and understand, uh, have a strong connection to what is it I'm attempting to say here? What am I, what am I really saying? And how do I communicate that clearer um, and objectively at the same time without being involved as, as, as if I am my ideas, as if I am my thoughts. And so the, a frame that I hold is that, you know, you can only meet someone up to the level that they met themselves. And, um, what that really means is that if we want to understand others better, we have to start, like you said, calling one's bullshit, right? That's any, that, that's not me calling seconds bullshit. That's me calling, hang on a sec, is, is that really true for me? And if so, why? Why do I value that? And it's where we, where we get caught up a lot of the time is the values that we value. 
right? Because the values that we value, usually um, we don't have them, they have us. And so that's where we have to be really careful um, as we as we grow and and develop and mature and unfold in um, how much of this, once again, is habitual compared to how much is conscious. And so for me, being able to publish so many episodes um, was heavily being able to interpret this for myself um, to then use that same skill set of curiosity with other people to understand them. So it was a practice. So you're a 15 year old in the fitness industry. You've started to see that. I mean, you're not 15 at this point. You've <laughs> I was a cowboy. A I was um, like, how, how do I make this person throw up? That was my approach <laughs> for the first four years. Right. And I think every coach starts like that. Well, hopefully things are shifting now, but most coaches in the industry start with like, right, let's smash this person. Yeah. To going right, like how what what was part of your journey to self-discovery what made you go okay I don't just want to throw up in the gym anymore I don't just want to keep pushing myself there's more to being a better human um how did you start to call yourself on your bullshit like I think a lot of people and definitely speaking from a global sense here taking responsibility is fucking hard yeah, and, and so even in that frame itself is probably what holds so many people back, right? Because it's like even even handing over responsibility is 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 a certain sense of responsibility, and so um, it's really what are we paying attention to and focusing on, and how aware are we of our when I say frames, beliefs, values, frames, the way that we frame our reality is how we see it, right? That's that's the way to think about it, the words that I'm using, but. Um, there's, there was probably certain moments um, throughout my career and I've had the opportunity with the style of business that I first worked in and then the style of business that I started to train. I don't know. I don't know what number, eight, seven, six and a half, nine thousand people over those years. Um, and what that means is that I had a lot of conversations and I had a lot of trial and error of communication and so forth. And so um, there was definitely certain points throughout my career and one one came a little bit later and I think it was and it's one that I, I remember pretty clearly I was writing a text message to a friend of mine um, and I looked at that before sending I looked at the text message and I'm like what am I saying and what's my intention behind what I'm saying and if I'm honest with myself the intention is for a different outcome and I'm wanting that person to kind of figure that out or to, to insinuate that or to respond a particular way. And I saw that probably for the, saw it, saw it for the first time. And I'm like, right. And I just deleted the message because it wasn't, it wasn't true. It wasn't a true reflection of, um, for lack of a better word, the best version of me. And then the reflection of like, where else in my life have I done that? And, and that's from a place of curiosity, not from a place of, judgment shame subject really it's a, from a place of like yeah right okay well that would probably explain why certain people had certain experiences with me and uh, even though my my experience of that experience was different um and i can acknowledge that fair enough and, and see it with just this layer of acceptance um because responsibility is acceptance right the ability to respond what we can't accept we won't be able to respond to and so when we palm off responsibility we are now for 
once again, lack of better word, I'm oversimplifying a bit of victim to whatever it is. And so, um, and the way that I'm using that is that we, if we go, it's your fault, but I'm going to learn the lesson. And I remember that I had a business fallout within about two or three years of business. I was about 24, 25 at the time. And um, I looked at this situation that I, I felt like I was well in over my head, um, drowning and so forth. And I'm like, I'm not going to let them, I remember having paraphrase of this thought, I'm not going to let them take the blame for this, all of it, because then I won't learn. And I don't want to go, I don't want to be here again. So what role did I play? What can I accept? What what responsibility can I take so that I can accept that um, mistake and then learn from it so I never do it again? Um, and that's the problem with passing off responsibility uh, is that we always have a certain certain amount of responsibility in any given situation that we we are existing in um it may not be all of it that's fine but what responsibility can i take so i can integrate a learning from this that's going to be useful for me moving forward why do you think it's such a common practice to pass responsibility there could be many reasons and and i'm not sure like how how common it is as well but I, I know that everyone would have experienced it so in in that sense for sure it's common um and it's not like i have um extreme responsibility in every single situation in my life although training up megan who's a full-timer in, in funk um and i'm like you got a steep learning curve just so you know she's like yeah yeah, yeah. i'm like no 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 like a steep learning curve just so you know she's like yeah i'm like okay and then <laughs> as as it's gone it's like there's two things in business that's really she started important as a member right uh she was she's, a, she she's working a, with gina. that's correct yeah working with gina at les mills headquarters and um back in the day and she was studying um something at uni associated with um, sports science or something like that and, and needed some work experience hours and did an internship and came across that way and she's she's grown extensively she's an exceptionally beautiful human being and um two rules that i offered her when like in a, a management operational role is uh one it's probably my fault and two who do i need to talk to and so if something happened it's like ah it's probably my fault and that's not about like going i'm going to take the blame for it it's just and like it's okay let me fault or it's the person who's seeing the mistakes fault it, it it depends on the context right so me in that position is like ah it's probably my fault because i what culture have i contributed to that allowed this type of person to be hired or allow this type of work to occur or allow someone not to care about it otherwise we deal with a symptom and this is extensively where we look at responsibility and things like that is how often people deal with the symptom, not the problem, right? What's the problem behind the problem? So we can fix the symptom, but we know that it's going to come up again, right? So you piss me off, which is, by the way, under-responsible. You don't actually know. Lots of love, but you piss me off, so I'm just going to avoid you. And then I fix the symptom. I don't have to deal with you anymore. However, how I've constructed you in my mind and how I piss myself off about you would just get projected somewhere else. So I'm not actually dealing with the problem. I'm just removing the symptom temporarily and then later on it shows up as somebody else, inverted commas, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've got a new problem. It's like it's the same problem. Yeah. The, the problem, point to the problem and you point to them. It's like, well, how are they going to fix it, buddy? 
the problems on the inside. So what's going on on the inside that's causing that problem? And so uh, it's probably a roundabout way to <laughs> answer your question. Um, but what it is, once again, speaks extensively to, to responsibility and and not taking res- over responsible for other people. It's a healthy level of responsibility, but ownership in that as well. Um, did I answer what- your question? <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> One of the, um, I can't remember who said it. I feel like it's one of the coaches I've worked with recently. It was like, if you felt it, you have to deal with it. Like that's not, if if you feel it, that's your responsibility to handle it. Even if you're pissed off at someone else, like you just said, that's, you're the one that's feeling pissed off. You feel it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 100% yours. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's to to assume, (laughs) said it again. But I don't want to. But you will regardless because it doesn't exist outside of you. So yeah. there's there's something that's happened outside of you and that doesn't, and you being whoever, and that doesn't map an internal, that doesn't match the internal map and the internal map then experiences frustration or confusion or whatever the case might be. And, and what we what we commonly want, and this goes back to your question because it was about common under responsibility or common passing responsibility, uh, now that I remember, is that if, if I then... Um, and I use this word loosely manipulate you to behave a way that matches my map. So I feel at ease. It means that I'm attempting to control external conditions because I can't control the internal condition. And so, that um, again. so if I'm, if I'm attempting to manipulate you to behave a particular way that sets me at ease, it's because I'm attempting, I'm now attempting to control external conditions because I can't control the internal condition. And, um, and so it doesn't mean that you just accept people that are, um, uh, let's say borderline abusive in whatever way. Um, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you, and some people will struggle with this, is learning how to set boundaries. Set boundaries is is more than just self care. Boundaries is also teaching people how to treat you. And um, we accept love up to the level that we love ourselves, and that's a practice and an unfolding in itself. However it's really healthy and important to also ask the question as challenging as it is. And you got to ask these questions, wanting to know the answer. Um, what role am I playing in this relationship? Why am I accepting this? I did a coaching session with uh, a lady many, many years ago now. Um, really lovely lady. And um, she's a nurse and she just got out of a pretty tough relationship, not, physically abusive but definitely emotionally manipulative and so forth and she's like and i paraphrase all of this no names at all but the example is consistent of like i can't believe he could treat someone like that i'm like well why did you let him treat you like that and she's like what and she paused for a moment and and sometimes that can just shake our world and she's like like i played a role in this why did I let him treat me like that? And now we're able to actually really go in and get a, a clear understanding of what was the secondary gain from keeping that person. I can fix them. I can, you know, this is what I deserve. There's so many other things. And that's a, a deeper conversation that I'm very cautious of generalizing. Um, but there's the question worth considering there is, yeah, like um, in any friendship, business relationship, you know, platonic or 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 um marriage whatever it's like what what role am i playing in this that allows this to keep showing up and why am i talk about that emotion on the inside right 
why am I bothered by this? How am I bothering myself? Is is exceptionally powerful, an exceptionally powerful question. You just brought, you just raised a really good point in like bringing up boundaries and the concept that you know it's not necessarily setting a boundary; it's teaching people how to treat you. Because I don't think we actively think like, oh yeah, I'm just being nice to that person. Why are they treating me this way? It's not that I, you know, and then that the story or the voice of going, well, I would never treat somebody like that. Well, where are you? And that's the thing. And you go, holy shit. And I'm. I was at lunch with a friend. Sorry, just a quick, quick little side quest. I was at lunch with a friend and we're eating and um, she's, she was sort of just talking in jest. And um, she's like, I just, like, I've, I've never had someone treat me poorly. And I'm like, yeah, except for yourself. And she's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's just like, Oh, like it just would never occur to her that she's the one that treats her poorly. So when a good opportunity arises, whatever that may mean, it's a rejection because I don't deserve it. And that's females and males. I'm, I've just used two female examples. I could use mine about, I nearly been married for just over a year now and been with Gina for six and a half. And um, I very, very nearly threw that in the bin about six months in. And that was on behalf of not feeling like I deserved it. So it's it 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 doesn't have a gender it has a flavor are you talking about six months into the marriage or six months into the relationship relationship yeah 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 so as an outsider to that relationship it's been so and obviously i've only seen what you guys post on social media i mean i know you and gina individually but um like watching that development of the relationship has just been such an honor like it really has been an example of exactly what you just said holy shit going inwards am I deserving like wanting to throw the towel in and obviously I didn't again I didn't know that that was a situation six months in but yeah. then cause of a point of reflection to go what what's driving this yeah I was very lucky no lucky is not I was fortunate that she had the patience uh at the time and it wasn't so much that I wanted to leave it was that I didn't believe I deserved it so um unknowingly unconsciously uh openly I talked to other females at that time um and you know I didn't know I was six months into a six and a half year relationship I thought I and really careful with my language here I thought I was I I finally was with my dream girl now the thing about dreaming is that that doesn't exist right so dreams are well and good um but if you really want to live your dreams, they, they have to be something that you believe you deserve. And at that stage in my life, I didn't think I did. And so I was, um, we don't get what we want. We get what we feel we deserve. And I was, I was sabotaging it. And so um, she pulled me up on that. And I'm very grateful that she was patient through that process. And in, in the flip of that, it's not, nice I, it's not nice to be at the other end of that. I've been in relationships where I've been put on this pedestal and it's like, I'm not that, who, what are you, what are you doing? It's not yeah. nice. And so it's called a golden shadow, but that's another conversation. Um, I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in all fairness, I did what work was required because, I mean, at this stage, I was what, 16, 17, 28. And I'm like, I don't want to be like this or do this anymore. Um, and I knew it was a time for me to, to, to grow up. Uh, and I say grow up in the sense of mature. Um, and we also were pretty fortunate. We did, um, NLP prac together, right? Now, NLP neurolinguistic programming is 
it's as murky as CrossFit. I can tell you that much. And <laughs> so um, when taught exceptionally well is a really good tool. When it's taught as the tool by people that see it as the tool, it's it's kind of culty and, and limiting as well. Was that your experience? Um, with NLP at the coaching room, the coaching room are ex- exceptional in their training education courses. Um, and I've been training on and off of them for the last five, six years. Um, and so they teach NLP PRAC um, as, as a tool of a much, much bigger um, framework of, of learning. Um, so they're, they, I would suggest because they lean on on integral coaching, um, that they teach NLP through an integral lens is, is the terminology to be used. And what that really means is they see it as in its utility and it's like objectively in its utility and in its limiting um, concept. And so that allowed me with all my pre-staff to go, okay, I'm happy to listen from these guys because it's it's not being sold to me as this life-changing thing that people may have experienced with NLP. Um, but it's not too dissimilar to people going, oh my God, CrossFit is like, it's the best way to train. You've got to try it. You've got to, oh my God, road cycling in Canberra is the best thing to do. <laughs> oh my God, it's, this is this, this, it's just like, what's useful, uh, and how can we use it? And so we did that together. And what that gave us was, um, maps in a shared language to understand ourselves and each other better. Um, so we're pretty for, that was in the first year of being together. Was that planned? Was that like, you know, Friday night date day, let's go do this? So I know Gina had wanted to do something like that. And I had done my own study on NLP or as old mate Tony Robbins would explain it, neuroassociative conditioning. There's another story behind that, which is pretty funny. But um, uh, And then other variations of it. And I, I was interested in understanding it. Um, and the challenge I had was my preconceived ideas or experiences of a lot of the um, sales on usually on social media of NLP courses that were just like a bit too suit wearing salesy change your life over a weekend um, kind of vibe. And I just didn't, I, I knew that I probably had in mind that there's a fucking microwave society and there's an oven society. It's like, how do you want to cook your meals? Um, and microwave is useful, but if it's like anything worth keeping is worth worth investing time and money into long-term. And so I wasn't after a quick fix of something like that. I wanted to understand it on a, on a deeper level. And um, I've done five, five or so courses with the coach room now. Um, most recently their integral professional coaching pathway, which is like a 10 month or nine month course or something like that online. Um, so it was over two weekends to answer your question around timing, but Gina's like, Hey, I've got a good deal on this because the two of us were doing it still a couple of thousand dollars each, but it was eight days in person in Sydney over, um, over a month. So four days, then a four weeks off and another four days. So um, yeah. And doing it in person, I was able to, um, get a lot more from it than I would have online at the time for sure yeah do you believe that like relationships and I'm, I'm talking romantically platonically just the relationships that we have around us are a mirror to what's going on inside us um the way we relate to it so even look at the word relationship right it, it what it what it is is relating relating right 
and and word ship the 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 part of the word ship is actually pointing to the the concept of process right and so it's the process of continually relating and so um the the power in that is seeing that relationships aren't static um they're exceptionally dynamic and so there is a part of it that absolutely uh can mirror back to us um what's going on for us on the inside but we don't want to lose the other human being and seeing them just as our mirror um because then it's you know there is the other human there and 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 being able to i remember laying in bed one night as i was deep in my own learnings of uh how i constructed reality and looking at gina and it was probably one of the first times that i really saw her not who i took her to be not who um who she was to me not how um, how she was useful not um how i felt good about her loving me like none of that i saw i saw this this woman at the stage in life she was at um with all the collection of all of her um you know goals that she had as this seven-year-old girl with all of the other relationships she's had with all like to really just see her not who she was to me and i think we have to be careful in our own un uncovering um and unfolding to to miss that everyone else is doing the exact same thing and 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 the the relating in that is exceptionally healthy um when we can hold both those things in mind at the same time i have a few questions that i want to ask on that so i'm going to be careful um you better be <laughs> we're relating how far, here Mel how far into your relationship were you when that happened that's one question and then the second question is how can we do that for everyone around us how can we start to strip back and go oh no that's something okay. I put on them hold that we'll come back to that one I'll answer the first one so uh we as a timestamp. So I housed that for three years and Gina housed that with me for one of those years um, as across multiple places, which that was a lot of learning for us early in our relationship. And then <laughs> having a business together during COVID was it like, I think we'd been married for 12 years actually now that I think about it. Um, so at least, yeah, uh, that was possibly so 2017, 2018, we got to, together at the start of 2018 did I know 2017 and this it would have been like last year yeah it feels like last lifetime in some ways as well so um the it's it's times a weird construct but I would suggest maybe two between two to three years into the relationship is probably where that um I I have a memory of that yeah um and it doesn't mean that that's been the consistent observation of her through our relationship since it was just this moment in time where I'm like, okay, well, how often have I seen people as who they are to me rather than who they actually are? Um, because, and this is saying that I talk to at retreats and many other seminars or educational pieces like at a retreat, like when we had last week, First night, I'm making a point about one of the frames that we hold for the like operating frames for the weekend um, about how, you know, the map is not the territory, right? The way that we construct our reality is not reality. And I said, here's an example. I go point 
to where you see me, right? Using your hand, point to where you see me. And usually people literally point to my location, which is where my physical body is and where I'm talking from and so forth. Um, and I go, that's, that's my location. You see me in here, right? You see me in your mind. Each one of you has a different experience of me. You have a different image of me and you have a relationship with that image. You don't have a relationship with me. You have a relationship with the image you hold in mind that you call me. And so none of that's me. And the, the powerful thing there is that, and this feeds into your second question, is that um, the more that we get ourselves out of the way, uh, and you mentioned at the start of this about holding space, and being able to hold space for people as they are rather than seeing the world as we are, because we don't see the world as, as it is, we see the world as we are in that concept, we we can allow space to actually see people for the first time, um, even if they can't see themselves. Um, and so uh, integral coaching has a concept called looking at, looking as. And looking at, looking as is is from a coaching perspective and having coaching conversations with every single person like it can be tiring seeing everyone in that it can be it's just about if that's the path you want to walk down is clearing your own shit and you start to see people as they are rather than as you are because you're bringing less shit to the conversation um but uh looking at looking as is in a coaching conversation i'm looking at all your capabilities i'm looking at what you can see i'm looking at what you're missing i'm looking at what you're not saying and then looking as is taking on everything you are seeing, taking on everything you are saying, take on everything, every, every one of your capabilities and the skill sets. And, and that gives this framework of being like, you know, he um, can honor the person as they are where they are today, whilst also seeing, you know, potentially what they're missing. Dave has a knack of get, making me go speechless. I'm like the, every time he talks, I'm like, oh my God, all these clogs cogs tick over in my head so that's what that nice little pause was there I apologize it's this is a never-ending world right like once you get into the world of curiosity once you get into the world of asking better questions there's no end point there's no finish line no so what makes the journey worthwhile what makes it worthwhile for you? These conversations. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what made the work journey worthwhile for you four years ago? It absolutely was not these conversations. The amount of no. times that I've wanted to tell Dave to fuck off <laughs> um, happened only 24 hours ago, actually. <laughs> um, getting out of my own way. And like that's not even the right language. I was just not. I was not a happy person. Okay. Yeah. I think that's why I started with you. I wasn't a happy person. I wasn't, and I knew that I could be. I knew that this wasn't how I was going to continue living my life. Okay. Yeah. So, so the the answers, it, it's such a good question, and what I'd encourage people is to answer it for themselves where they're at today. Um, this is one of the powerful things about, you know, the word insight to be in in sight, full. <laughs> Right. Listen to the word. It's in. It's not out. Outsightful. Right. And and to reflect that, that, that there's an unfolding within the fact that there's no finish line. And so for some people that can rock their world. And commonly that's because that might be the thing that's blocking them from really actually, you know, being here or removing the the rocks to allow the river to flow. So 
yeah, it's a powerful question to ask and, and uh, I can answer it for me, um, but I would hate to taint it for other people for them to answer it for themselves. And so, you know, why is it worth walking for them? Answer it for yourself. We want to hear your, we're here interviewing you, Dave. Um, why is it worth it for me to walk down the path that I choose? I probably liken it to um, planting trees to some degree. Um, and that a deeper knowledge of knowing that the universe doesn't really make mistakes uh, without sounding esoteric. It's sometimes we can forget uh, as, as a society that we're actually come out of the universe. We don't come out of capitalism. We don't come um, come out of the schooling system. Like all these things are exceptionally, can be exceptionally useful I think sometimes there's blurred lines with the human experience and all the things that need to get done in a day, inverted commas. And so um, I remember, and I don't think this podcast ever went live, the one that I'm referring to, but I remember being in the States a few years ago now. And I was on a pilot podcast and they asked maybe a similar question, something in that vein, um, maybe mission or vision or something like that. And I said to help remove all unnecessary mental health issues. And that was a, a goal. Um, and it was kind of met with laughter, which is interesting. Um, but how much of our own pain and suffering is unnecessary? Not that pain and suffering is unnecessary because it's a, been a unique part of history throughout the human experience, but how much of it is unnecessary and, and, and how can we um, play a role in, in not passing it on to future generations? So, so a big part of that for me in the walk down the path is intergenerational. Um, so, yeah, I think I probably experienced what would be deemed under that framework as unnecessary pain and suffering when I was a kid. And, um, I would. Ne I, I. I don't want to shelter my future children, um, but I don't want to pass on to them, and and others, the the pain that I never dealt with. So, um, as much as pain and suffering is necessary, as 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 is death, um, the illuminating the path worth walking, but making sure that. Other people walk down it, right? That's that's theirs or not, whatever. So yeah, as an option. Yeah, and I think to to round that out, um, a big part of it probably to do with leadership, and I know that true leadership is self leadership. So um, the path working, the path the path worth walking is 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 both said and done, and so yeah. I think that was one of the concepts that you also introduced me to in the coaching world is that you, the codependent, codependency relationship between a coach and now identi almost identifying between a coach and a leader. Can you Lee, speak into that a little bit? Uh, sure. Let me know if where you want to go with it. So um, it kind of speaks a little bit earlier on around my earlier experiences in the industry and how things shifted and changed. I remember actually doing work with an NLP coach. She was a 
NLP coach, Poppy Sillies. Um, and we didn't really gel, but one of the key things that at that stage of my life as well, and other factors into it that were probably competing um, factors, but one of the things that she taught me was the, and I can't remember if, what she called it specifically, I ended up calling it codependent patterns. And so um, this can sometimes be known as a human interaction model. Um, and what I saw with the model, and I'll talk through it briefly in a moment, was how yeah, people can be codependent on people, of course, to uphold their identity, but also um, things. And that was a little bark. Sorry. And Yay, so- Petey or Chelsea? Chelsea's coming up. Right, little. There we go. There's the watching at home. Hello, Hello darling. Like, what have you got to say for us? He doesn't have anything to say. <laughs> he won't stop if I get him going. All right. Sorry. Um, and so people can also be codependent upon things. I can't start my day without my coffee. Um, I can't squat without knee wraps. Um, I can't relax without wine, whatever the case might be, right? And so within a codependent framework, um, the just seeing if I actually have an image for that, I can show you straight away. I have to go find for it. But the there's a victim aggressor rescuer in a codependent pattern. And this isn't about it being bad or good. It's about are you aware of it and aware of the role you're playing in it. I'm codependent with my tax accountant. I'm completely okay with that uh that's i'm i'm not interested in putting the attention into doing what he does exceptionally well i'm happy to to pass that responsibility over to some degree and we have a great trust. relationship with that yeah. Trust. Yep. yeah yeah there's there's a there's a bit of trust so <laughs> but the key thing there is that i you know, in that example i'm a victim to the tax system and he rescues me right aren't so we all yeah it's probably not the tax system it's probably the unknown and 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 Excel spreadsheets. So, I mean, we digress there a little bit. My mum's an accountant and she's like, oh, I had this person crying on the phone to me today. I'm like, mum, you are lit. Like the, the, the amount of intimacy you have with people, like you are literally in their bank accounts. There's no deeper intimacy than that. Well, there is, but like. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I won't, we might not. I'm a single person, Dave. That's interesting to me right now. Looking for an accountant to trust, hey? This makes a lot more sense. Mom. (laughs) Mom. Anyway, lovely. So um, in that codependent space um, can also be quite, you know, abusive relationships. And growing up, um, my, my mom would seek partners that allowed her to play a victim role um in that and so it's 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 a lot more complex than the simplicity that i'm explaining it but i'm attempting to give a framework for it um what i saw with it related to the industry is uh that the and the way that i've communicated for many years is that the industry helps to create psychological um, long-term psychological issues provide people with short-term physical solutions to create repeat customers and so um in doing so the the trainer or coach is you know motivated they're trying to motivate people they're going to call them when they're not training they're going to tell them what to eat they're going to push them through the workouts 
And commonly in that space, um, as a general rule, the client might be like, no, you, pu- you push me, you know, you punish me or, you know, smash me or this sort of terminology. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, I mean, for me, it's just like, I'm like, there's literally puppies here and zuba dubas in the freezer. Like the doors are open. Like I, I, I'm your, it's, it's, this is your choice. I'm not here to push anyone. Um, I will challenge you. And what I'm I, in, in saying that to them, I'm challenging them. I'm challenging the whole person rather than just looking at the physical realm of what kind of results we can get from today's workout. And so um, in that space, I was like, hang on a sec. I'm actually perpetrating the issues that I'm attempting to solve. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so moving from a codependent space um, up the system, for lack of a better word, up the frame, is dependent, independent, and interdependent. And the way that we move from codependency upwards in a gym setting, uh, coach-client relationship is through, so two main things is education and love. And when I say love, I'm, I, a lot of love just means acceptance and space. And so uh, like I, patience or terms like that, it's like, oh, thank you for being patient. It's like, yeah. I'm, I, there's no patience because there's no impatience. I hold no, no idea in mind of where you're meant to be. So it, once again, a reflection on, on the person and probably what's going for, on for them on the inside. But, you know, uh, same with love and education is that the person has to be able to want that. And so I, I and the team to, yeah, otherwise what they're looking for is a codependent to uphold the identity, whether they're aware of it or not. Um and so I and the team and, and the educational programs that I run for other trainers and coaches is there being able to work with people, not for them or at them. And, um, and if the person's not willing to walk down that path, same thing. It's not about, well, they're not ready. It's just like they're, they're at where they're at. Who am I to say that I know what's best for them? Like it's there's there's so many nuanced um conditions on on all of our conditions so um so yeah that was one of the things that i observed and i've definitely lost clients over that so did you know well if i was to if i was to look at it and measure it on that metric then yeah for sure um at the same time um the intergenerational shift and change that that i know my space and and my input has influenced far outweighs um trying to scrap couple of extra 50 bucks a week from a few people that possibly don't commute contribute to the to the space at this stage in their life and and where it's at so um the key thing there is that the, they may not be the right fit for for now yeah absolutely mm. so tell us a little bit more about peak and flow tell us a little bit more about where we want to go with peak and flow and how people can get involved well, from my understanding, when you say we, we spoke about um, the next retreat that you might consider coming on in September. Um, so I'll park that. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, as I mentioned at the start, Peak and Flow really is a training and education company. Let me just like interject there for a little bit what I Go mean. Like, so Dave and his wife, Jenna, run funk fitness and peak and flow are a flow on of well like an extension of funk it's a it's a different business yeah yeah so um you go yeah and 
the way that they run this gym, the way they hold their classes, the way they relate to their members. Like when I say I want to be over in this world, like it is, yes, I want to come to a retreat, but I just want to be in the funk world as well. Well, come over and hang out for a couple of weeks. Most of your stuff's online. I want to. Yeah. We got a we got a one bedroom apartment. That's not where we live. You can stay there. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Just no, it didn't the three of us in there. Ah, it's Airbnb. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So, so what was important to me is that both businesses held a consistent signature. And um, I'm not coming in the winter time, by the way. <laughs> it's your prerogative. Um, so, uh, both businesses held a signature, and and what what i learned like many things is that people come to the gym it's you know we are a private health club and we do offer opportunities to opt in for a little bit more of the the breath and mind stuff for lack of a better word um but at the most part people are looking for a gym and so on the front end that's what we are on the back end we're an educational company but on the front end come in join the workout small group coaching um open gym facilities sauna ice bath all that sort of stuff uh, we run breath classes, band classes, um, and there's puppies. But people want to come in, sweat, high five, be a part of something, and not be psychoanalyzed. Is probably the, the, the which is fair enough. Too bad, so sad. You are sorry. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um. So peak and flow. I two years ago, I was like, I want to run retreats, and uh, the team that I had here, Jamie, Megan, and and Gina, were like, Well, we want to do it as well. Um. And so I then went about like, what are we going to call it? Um, what's what's it going to entail? How are we going to put it together? And so that was the first, even though I had derivatives of a Dave Nixon brand uh, podcast, Alpha Theta was the brand at the time, which effectively is pointing to the balance of brainwave activity, which is measured at that rate when someone's in a state of flow. That's what Alpha Theta is actually in reference to. Um but we wanted to be more than that and not have to explain it to people alpha theta well it's and have to explain what it is so peak it then gets relaunched as peak and flow and the retreats are actually uh two three and four day retreats so they, they it's a, it's a, a a retreat a single retreat is a program within a program and so um we we facilitated maybe eight of those retreats now we have our first three day retreat We've had enough people come through to have another to have a three day retreat in August, so in just over a month, um, which starts on a Wednesday night, finishes on a Sunday morning, in Kangaroo Valley, and then um, we have our next base retreat um, in uh, in September, and we might have another one before the end of the year. Otherwise, next base retreat will be February, uh, and these are really powerful um, uh, products and services that we run and and facilitate, and exceptionally meaningful for us. And so day one, as an example, with the base retreat is, is all physiology. So teaching you about your, your breath and, and how that has a physiological response within the body. We go through breath work. Um, we do some cold exposure, which I know you wanted to touch on. So we'll do that afterwards. Um, and then like also, yeah, go. Well, you just said you didn't want to come to Canberra. That's the easiest way to get cold exposure. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and so we then go through and teach nervous system 101. Um, and how then interacts with and how it integrates with the breath. Then you have another opportunity for cold exposure, but with a different intent. Um, and so really learning how to use the cold rather than just letting the infographics on social media tell me what I should be getting from the cold and how long I should be in there and so on and so forth. It's like we have a rule called look, play, learn, 
And so let's look at this. Let's go play with it. Let's come back and look at it again and, and really learn and get it in our neurology, get it in our system. Um, there's a workout involved with that based on the learnings of the day. Um, and then finish up with some bending and breathing in the evening. Next morning we get up and the, the, the location that we run the retreats at is stunning. It's on 600 acres in Kangaroo Valley. And um, the Kangaroo River um, runs through the actual property. Um, and so we use that as a cold exposure on the second morning, um, which is, yeah, stunning. And um, we then go into day two, mostly being for, once again, lack of a better word. And I say that whenever I'm generalizing, but psychology. So how we make meaning, how we construct our reality, um, what are potential patterns of thinking that drive our way of being. Um, our perceptual filters, and then um, walk through the quadrants, which is uh, an exceptionally powerful framework that we just touch on that we go deeper into other retreats, um, which is learning on how to, to really find our own blind spots to, to like your potential lays in your blind spots, not in your strengths. What holds your strengths back is what you're missing, not what you're you know you haven't learned yet it's like hang on a sec how do i expand my awareness and that's one of the powerful tools of the weekend and so and we finish with another workout um and then bend and, and breath and a little burn we call it and then dinner and maybe um if you're that way inclined mel maybe a glass of red by the fire um so that's that's the uh if you're that way inclined so um and so that's the the two day retreat, and and the reason being is we wanted to show mind, breath, and body, and how it interacts and integrates. It's not, it is not mind over matter. It is not. It starts with the body. It is both. It is all arising at the same time. Um, and so the from a quadratic perspective, in Wilbur's terms, it, it's tetra arising, and so um, that's what we're really helping people to to learn more on so then they can learn more about themselves. That's their responsibility. So that's an example of, of the base retreat within peak and flow. And then there's other programs that we offer as well. So there are different types of retreats. Two day, three day and four day retreat. Yeah. So okay, cool. in order to go into the three day retreat, you have to at least come to, you have to have at least come to one base retreat. And then we vet, you know, where's a person at? So some people go, look, I want to come to the three day retreat. They may have come to one, two day retreat. And um, we simply give the person, okay, in order to be, to do that, either A, another base retreat might be of recommended because uh, you'll get more out of the second. You get different out of the second, right? Um, or one-on-one coaching leading into that. So they're best prepared to contribute to the group and get most out of it for themselves. Yep. What's the feedback that you've had from these retreats? Um, we literally just had some feedback. I read through yesterday. Uh, the feedback wasn't actually very helpful because it was like, it was amazing. Like everyone's responses were. <laughs> it's a guy, yeah. yeah. I'm just like, oh, guys, I need, I need some, um, something here to maybe I don't need anything like that. So it was, yeah, powerful. I can probably give you a couple of words that they, um, well, I think I've shared. shared. With, you know, with what I've seen on social media, it just seems like a really powerful, honest, real experience. And I'm not in a Instagram, Instagrammable way. It just looks like something that 
Well, I mean, I know it's something that I want to be involved in, but just something that people would want to be involved in. Yeah. Um, it was important for us to facilitate a weekend that allowed people to opt in uh, and meet it where they're at. And um, I like that word, opt in. Well, they, yeah, they have to. The first, the first retreat, right? We only had like three or four people there. It was including, not including four facilitators because that means that one of them might not have been there. Eight people, including the facilitators. And we ran it for the first year going, let's not worry about making money. Let's just get people through and see if this is something we want to keep doing and that we value. And um, the first weekend and Jamie's extensive background through breath work and cold exposure and so forth. Uh, on the first night, I said, frame the weekend. like tomorrow we're starting off with some cold exposure and then going into breath work. And there was a bit of apprehension with a couple of ladies around cold exposure. And I'm like, you know, it is up to you what, you're wanting to do tomorrow and how you want to participate. You participate up to the level you're, you're willing and ready to do. Um, that means that if cold exposure for you is watching someone else get into the ice bath, if cold exposure for you is, is having a cold shower by yourself if, and so on and so forth, that's, it's up to you how you choose to participate. Excuse me. And, and in doing that, we, we give extensive frameworks and um, learning on, on how to get the most out of cold exposure rather than just cowboying it for three minutes in a fight or flight space. Um, but after ex explaining to the attendees at the first retreat, that's the framework that we're, that we're using. Um, our facilitators catch up multiple times over the weekend and go, cool, where's people are at? How are things going? Do we need to adjust? What do we need to flag? All of that. And the first night, Jamie's like, mate, they've come this far. Like you, they, you just, they just get in. Like you just tell them they have to get in. I'm like, both of those ladies lean into external authority. And so if they're getting in, they're getting in because I'm telling them, not because they're actually choosing to do so. And so commonly it's like, oh my God, thank you for pushing me to do that. I wouldn't have been able to do that without you. Can you hear the conditions? Right. And so in that case, I'm going to let them opt in. I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll be there with them, not, not at them or for them. And Jamie's like, right okay and so this is what, what looking at the whole person is and, and making sure we're meeting them we're looking at looking as them and and leading from there but they have to play a role in their own in their own story that's a, that's exceptionally important i think this like a, yeah again mind-blowing you know even if you just said cold exposure is watching someone do the ice bath because they're building that internal authority oh that's safe when that person did it Witnessing yeah, whatever meanings they bring whatever. it. Yeah. 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 And it needs to be an adequate stimulus, which is a boring term. But what it means is what's enough for there to be a stretch for me to adapt to over time. And we know that for training. We know that for for work and for learning and everything else as well. There's no different with that. So um, I don't have a prerequisite of where people are meant to be. But if they want to walk that path, I'll walk with them um, as necessary. But they've got to, they got to play a role in, in where they're at and what they're willing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I also use the term very deliberately, funny enough, deliberate cold exposure. It's not, not ice therapy or anything like that. Someone may have a therapeutic experience, but I'm not giving therapy. I'm not even going to presuppose that you will have a therapeutic experience in the cold. Um, so it's deliberate cold exposure, which is also then passing on ownership to the individual that they're doing it deliberately, right? And they're opting in. Um, and so we're very um, particular about how we word that and how we teach it rather than then once again, a, a cowboy approach of just getting the cold and this is ice therapy or something along those lines. Snap a photo for Instagram, boom, got the benefits. Sure, yeah. Um, so but what's your intention? And the same was like, you've trained for years. 
So you've deadlifted 60 kilograms before, right? But multiple crazy. times, multiple times. And so you've walked up to a bar 60 kilograms before and you've picked it up and I'm sure, I'm guessing, let me know if I'm not right. And you're like, hmm, no, that's, that's 60. I felt really easy today. And there's other days where you've got 60 kilograms on the bar and you walk up to it and you lift it and you're like, Ugh. and you look at it and you're like, oh my God, that's only 60 kilos. The weight's, exact, the weight's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. What's changed is you, what you're bringing to it. And so the cold's the same. And so the seven degrees is seven degrees, right? And it's like, oh, the ice bath gives me anxiety. It can't. When I filled it up, I, I ran out of anxiety. I didn't put any anxiety in the bath. So, <laughs> right. It, it does. It does. I get anxious thinking about the bath. I get anxious about the bath. Now there's ownership in my language rather than the bath is giving it to me. Same for the gym. And so anxiousness is exceptionally healthy and normal. The question worth considering, is it contextually appropriate? And another question worth considering is, um, am I, um, is a problem here, my rejection of the anxiousness about the bath? Because you can't, you can't reject it. You just, you know, whatever you resist persists. So it's going to continue to show up and and the anxiousness about the anxiousness is what really can cause issues. Um, not it's the, it's the non-acceptance of the anxiousness. Hmm. So easy. Again, there's that, Oh, I'm anxious. I can't do that. That's that pointing of the black to come. Yep. Also. There's no bad parts when it comes to your nervous system. The thing worth considering is it contextually appropriate and the way that we make meaning plays a very large role in that. Yeah. I think we're going to wrap it up there on that beautiful sure. note. Thank you very much for uh, letting me hit record and having a little tech lesson beforehand. Um, how can people get in your world or how can people absorb more of you, Dave? Well, the Pig and Flow podcast should be up and running as of next week again. But in saying that, there's actually over 800 podcasts within Mood Prep and Our Potato Flow. So if you want to get a bit of an idea of what you're in for, well, you're welcome to, to get onto that. In fact, um, I'm going I'm to comment on that. Like, honestly, Dave's got, like he said, 700 episodes of te- like nine minutes in length. Um, some, are, some are 12, yeah. <laughs> they're a really cool way to start getting it, leading into that curious mind. Yeah. And um, so there's that. We're also, um, as of, it may not be next week, it may be the week after, because um, I've got a little bit of trouble on this month, but we're also... Um, starting free webinars on Wednesday nights. And so the webinar is called Moments. Um, if you're a part of the community and you can just chuck your email in to be a part of it, um, then between myself and my other three team members, we'll run that webinar every single Wednesday night, I think seven to eight um, on a variety of different topics. And so from from breath to communication models to um, post-retreat, you know, breakdowns and, and conversations. So um, that's something that we wanted to run for free. There's no recording either. It's, we're not recording it. It's literally called moments for that reason. Um, so there's those two easy opt-ins. Um, and by the time this goes live, I'm assuming I've uh, already launched all of that. So you should find it on my socials at Dave Nixon Flow. You can learn more about the gym at, on let's say, Instagram at The Funk Life and same for Peak and Flow Training on Instagram. And um, that's got all the links to websites and all that sort of stuff. Um, if you're interested about the retreats or if you want to have a conversation, just reach out more than happy to, to chat. Um, that's literally what I do for work. So, um, very enjoyable for my end. Let's get her advantage retreat going. So anyone listening to this, 
reach out to Dave or I and we'll do like. Yeah, absolutely. More than, no, no, 100%. Like that's even spoke about talking to Gina. So Gina and Alice were looking at doing a Body and Beyond uh, event as well. They just had exceptionally busy years, but doing something along those lines, I think would be powerful and more than happy to, for Jamie and I self to play a role. And if it's, if it's a female only thing, then those girls would be exceptional at, at also working with you to, to make something work um, when teaching similar frameworks. I, I, my team is amazing and, and I'm very grateful to have them around. I absolutely trust that. Mm. Cool. Anything you want to end on Dave? Uh, I really appreciate you having me on Mel. I thoroughly enjoy our conversations, even though it was a lot more me talking this time, um, which is uh, a nice little swap around. Um <laughs> But hopefully we get to catch up again soon. And I would really love to see you at one of the retreats for you. Yeah, I know. That's a genuine, I yeah, want to head over. And there we have it. Episode 32 of the Her Advantage podcast. Dave was one of my very first mentors. I worked with him in both. I have worked with him in both a movement and mindset capacity and our conversations still continue to expand the way I communicate and think about the world you know the drill. I would love to hear your takeaways. Slide into my DMs and let me know the biggest point that resonated or didn't resonate. And I know Dave would love the feedback too. So until next time, folks.